Hello and welcome to the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast series. This series has been developed to assist you to master your health and well-being. Health is too hard when you try to go it alone, and we know that together we are healthier. Today on the show we'll be discussing understanding your smoking addiction and how to improve your chances of quitting with Dr. Sarah White. Dr. Sarah White was appointed Director of Quit Victoria in 2014 and is the leading national spokesperson for tobacco control. Dr. White oversees the delivery of the Victorian Quit Line. It's renowned for its delivery of new service and technology delivery models for smoking cessation counselling. Other key areas of expertise include smoking cessation practice change models in health system settings and the impact of smoking on health, particularly for priority populations such as people with mental illness or substance use disorders. Dr. White has a strong track record in policy development, public advocacy and government relations and extensive experience in communicating research and media relations. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Oh, thanks for having me, Simon. Firstly, can you explain how nicotine addiction works? Yeah, so nicotine addiction works because um, when someone smokes a cigarette, uh, the nicotine enters into the bloodstream. It basically passes across the through the lungs and enters the bloodstream and it travels to the brain. And once nicotine reaches the brain, it attaches to receptors in our brain. Um, so you can sort of think about it like it, there's a lock and that's the receptor and nicotine is the key. The key fits the lock and, and activates it or opens the door. And what that then does is release dopamine. And dopamine is that feel-good chemical. So you have a cigarette, nicotine goes to the brain, and it makes you feel good. The problem is the nicotine then starts to fall off those receptors. The lock comes out of the key and the dopamine production stops. And people want to feel that good again, so they need to have another cigarette And so what happens is you get into a cycle of I get that feel-good response and now I'm I'm coming down off that feel-good response. I need it again, so I have another cigarette. I get it again and it's just this really vicious cycle. So how would someone know if they're addicted? People who are addicted really need their cigarette in the morning. That's how we typically tell. Um, It's a really rough sort of rule of thumb, if you like, about how addicted you are. So if someone is, is strongly addicted they'll be having a cigarette first thing in the morning because what's happened, of course, is while they've been asleep, they haven't smoked, and now those receptors in their brain are crying out to um, to get nicotine. So someone who's, who reaches for a cigarette within, cigarette within the first five minutes of waking is a good rule of thumb for someone who's really addicted. Um, within 30 minutes, that's a moderate level of addiction, and within about 60 minutes is a lower level of addiction. But if you have someone who is still smoking when they feel sick, if they're going outside when it's freezing or pouring rain or really taking themselves away from friends or family or out of their environment, like they're leaving school or they're leaving um, their workplace to go and have a cigarette, that's a really good sign that you're actually addicted to them. Is it the addiction to nicotine that keeps someone hooked on smoking or is there more to it than that? Are there other factors? Yeah, look, that's a really good question and it's it's spot on really. And a lot of people who smoke even don't kind of appreciate that there's what we call two types of addiction. So one is that chemical addiction to having the nicotine from the cigarette. but And that's really strong for some people and lower for other people. But what the other half of that equation, if you like, is, is that people are... Um, become conditioned to having cigarettes at different times. So some people use cigarettes 
not necessarily because they're really addicted to nicotine, but because they use them to alleviate boredom. They use them to um, avoid social stresses. Um, they use them to um, basically, if I've if I've always had a cup of coffee for the last ten years, I've had a cup of coffee and a cigarette in the morning. I become almost habitualized to having a cigarette when I have a cup of coffee. So the nicotine addiction is part of it, but there's also a whole host of behavioural and habitual triggers that you have to address when you're trying to to stop smoking. All right, so do you have any tips on how to deal with the triggers? Yeah, the first thing is really about being aware of them. So the first thing is to understand that what's making you reach for your cigarettes first thing in the morning when you pull out your cup of coffee is that because you've always done it. So you have to say, oh, you know, one of my triggers is actually sitting down and having a cup of coffee. Another trigger, and this is really common, is that people say, I use cigarettes as um, a reward for finishing a job. I finished writing this email. I finished vacuuming the lounge room. I finished um, making this brick wall piece. I'm going to go and have a cigarette because that's my break. So where people say I'm really associating that break with having the cigarette. I mean, they don't call them smokos probably for no reason. So one of the first things you need to do is recognise that this is a danger point when you're trying to quit smoking. You have to find something else that's going to distract you from that point in time where you are used to having a cigarette. And I imagine social situations are often tricky to navigate whilst giving up as well because of these triggers and, you know, doing it with having done it with other people for a long time. Yeah, that's right. And so often for Australians, those social situations come with alcohol. And uh, when we're having a a drink with friends, that's um, exactly the point in time where your defences are down because you might have had a drink um, or you are chatting with people, perhaps they're people that you've smoked with in the past. And if they're going out for a cigarette, that's really hard. So social situations are often when your defences are down and it makes it hard to stick with that quitting. But in fact, These days, you know, nine out of 10 people don't smoke. And so you are likely to have friends and family and colleagues who don't smoke and you can actually get them to help you. They don't have to know that they're helping you, but you can ask them to help you if you want. But you can actually make sure that if I'm going to a party or I'm going to the pub on Friday night, I'm actually going to sit with these buddies of mine that don't smoke. And by sitting with them and distracting myself when I have these cravings to have a cigarette, I'm going to make sure I stick with them and I stick inside and it will actually help you ride out the urge to have the cigarette. I've heard that some people find it useful to keep a smoking diary. Can you explain what that is, how it works, how it might be useful? Yeah, sure. Um, so there are... we. On the quit line, encourage people to keep a smoking diary and there's a couple of reasons. One of them is that point I made earlier about identifying your triggers and really recognising them. Another one is to really understand which cigarettes are the ones that you're really craving because that gives you a sense of those cigarettes that are going to be the most difficult to stop smoking. And the third one is to really understand how much you are smoking. So I can't tell you the number of times I've sort of heard conversations where people are saying, look, I don't smoke. I only smoke on, on the weekends sometimes. Oh, look, and sometimes on Wednesday nights when I'm tired. Or, oh, look, maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I think sometimes people don't realise how much they are actually smoking. So having a diary can help with the triggers, understanding when those cravings and urges are going to be really strong, but also 
kind of keeping ourselves to account on exactly how much we're smoking. Can you talk about the factors that can influence the success or failure of attempts to quit? Yeah, look, it's such an individual thing for everybody. So we we kind of tend to think about quit attempts um, being serious or quit attempts being successful when people get really serious about it. And I'm doing serious with these little inverted commas with my fingers. You can't really tell on a podcast, but anyway, I'm, I'm sort of doing serious with my fingers. And it they, being serious about giving up is really comes from a combination of things in your environment. So maybe one of your friends has stopped smoking. Um, maybe your workplace has introduced smoke-free areas and that's now you have to walk a long way. Um, maybe it's you're aware of someone who's uh, been unwell. And it sometimes comes with uh, changes of identity. So you might look at yourself one day and think, oh, you know, I, I kind of feel like Smoking was what I did when I was in my 20s and I was, you know, a bit rebellious. But actually now I'm in a, I'm at a, in an office job and it doesn't really fit with how I can think about myself anymore. And sometimes this is quite subconscious, obviously. For some people, unfortunately, it, it comes at a point of time when they're realising their health is being impacted. So we hear from people who say, I just suddenly realised I can't walk up a flight of stairs without wheezing or I've realised I've started coughing in the morning and I have to change something. And then, of course, there's all those life events, expecting, you know, getting married or expecting a child or, as I said, starting a new job. So there's a whole different range of factors and sometimes quite specific to the individual. So what are some ways that we can give ourselves the best chance of quitting? So the best chance of quitting comes really from addressing those two parts of the equation around addiction to nicotine and using cigarettes. So using... Um, nicotine replacement products or medications to manage the nicotine addiction and at the same time addressing those triggers and those habits around smoking and that really comes in the form of behavioral coaching we call it a behavioral intervention it's kind of like a coaching where you can talk to someone about this is when I smoke this is why I smoke this is how I smoke Um, and they can help talk you through really simple, practical, pragmatic ways of changing your habits and changing those triggers. So which is more successful, quitting abruptly or gradually cutting down? Yeah, look, it's a tricky one, that one. Most people succeed when they quit abruptly. And that reason is that people, when they use cutting down as a strategy to quit, they leave the really hard cigarettes to last. So they'll cut down, they'll take out the cigarettes that it's easy to miss because, oh, look, I I'm, I'm, don't have to go downstairs to have a cigarette. It's really easy for me to sit here and do this. But the, one, the cigarettes I really enjoy are the ones I have after dinner or the one I really need is the one first thing in the morning. So people tend to leave the hardest ones to last and that means they never really address them and they really easily fall back into um, to smoking. So quitting abruptly has a lot of advantages. Having said that, for some people, quitting abruptly is too hard. And so one of the big things when you ask about influencing success is confidence that you can quit, belief in yourself that you can. So for some people, cutting out a couple of cigarettes, even if they're the, the easy ones, can actually help build your confidence to really have a go at getting rid of all of them. So if you can, if you really think you just can't quit abruptly, it's good to say, well, okay, I'm going to go from 10 down to five or five down to two. And 
sit on that for a while, understand that you, you've got the confidence to, to actually take the next step and then go for it next time. Now, you mentioned medications and nicotine replacements. What's the role that they play? So the role they play is really um, basically keeping the, you know, those receptors we talked about right at the start, those receptors that want the nicotine and, and like basically screaming out for nicotine so that they can feel good. It helps give, the nicotine replacement products give you a tiny little bit of nicotine, just enough to keep most but not all of those receptors happy. And so what it really does is it takes down the urgings for nicotine that you have, those cravings for nicotine. It takes that down a little bit. It doesn't completely take them away, but it takes those cravings and those withdrawal symptoms down to a level that lets you work on those habits and triggers. So it's a bit oh, it's a bit hard to sort of think of analogy on the run, but but basically it gives you just that bit of time to work on changing your habits and behaviours because you're not really as distracted with the withdrawal symptoms. And what types of products are available? So you can get um, smoking medications from your doctor. There are two different types and your GP will recommend if one is good for you. Again, it needs to be taken with a um, working with someone on your behaviours and they work a little bit differently in that they sort of stop... um, they have a different effect on the receptor, but we won't go into too much detail on that. The nicotine replacement therapy products that are available, we always recommend taking using a patch. So a patch gives you a really long, steady release of a tiny amount of nicotine, replace, uh, nicotine and then combining the patch with um, an oral form that's a faster form. So that could be gum, it could be a lozenge, it could be a spray, um, or it could be an inhalator. And the long, slow-acting patch gives you a sort of a baseline level of nicotine, and then you use the, the oral form just when you have those strong cravings, or you know that it's a time when you normally smoke. So if you know that I'm going to have dinner and after dinner is that cigarette that I really, really enjoy, what you would do is you'd have your dinner and then you'd straight away have some of the oral form of nicotine replacement therapy and that will ward off the craving that you know is going to spike when you normally have the cigarette after dinner. Can you get addicted to the nicotine replacement therapy? Oh, look, there are some time, there are some cases where people have got addicted to the gum or the spray, um, but it's they're very, very rare. It's safer than being addicted to the cigarettes and it probably is most likely that um, it's still a little bit of a crutch rather than an addiction to the actual nicotine in the formulation. So it's I'm going to keep using this gum and I feel like I'm addicted to it because I have to keep using it so I don't go back to cigarettes. So it's a little bit of um, possibly a dependence on using the product to stop you smoking rather than an addiction to the, to the nicotine replacement therapy. So how do you access nicotine replacement therapy? Well, you can go to your doctor and get a PBS script for one form of um, nicotine replacement therapy, and uh, that probably works best if you are on a healthcare card. Um, you can get a, re- a pretty good subsidisation of that nicotine replacement therapy. Otherwise, you can purchase them at a pharmacist, which we, we recommend so you can get some advice about how to use the, the therapy. Um, the gum is not just like, you know, a hubba-bubba gum. There's actually a, a way to use it, a way to sort of chew it and park it. Same thing with the lozenge. You don't use it like it's a cough lolly. There's a technique. So going to buy them from a pharmacist is what we recommend, and they can give you advice about what 
formulation, what oral formulation is going to work best for you and how to use it best. If someone decides to use the quit line, what should they expect when they call? Well, they should expect to um, speak to someone who is um, very highly trained, who's very friendly and very non-judgmental and very supportive. Um, what the quitline counsellors will do is take someone through um, all of those habits and triggers we talked about before. They'll help you work out what yours are and they'll help you develop a plan that's going to work for you. They'll help build your motivation and they'll give you some really great tips and strategies to use, for example, how to ride out a craving because we actually know cravings for cigarettes only last about 10 or 15 minutes. So if you've got some practical things that you decide you're going to do when you have that craving and you can just wait it out 10 or 15 minutes, that craving's kind of gone. So the quit line is really great for anyone who's thinking about smoking, uh, stopping smoking because they can help you prepare. They can tell you all the things that you'd like that you should think about doing, like getting rid of ashtrays, um, making sure that you're not going to put yourself in a situation where you're tempted if you go into a shop to buy something. So that preparation is really important and then they'll talk you through, based on your experiences and what you do in your routines, how you can address your habits and triggers. And they can give you advice on the medications as well. And are there other resources you can suggest for people who are interested in quitting? Look, there's lots of resources available online, so you can definitely go to quit.org.au. We have tools there that will tell you how much you can um, expect to save. You can even develop up your own little plan if you're not quite ready to talk to someone just yet. Um, and you can um, print that out. Uh, you can go to the MyGov, um, MyQuitBuddy app, which is on uh, the Commonwealth I think it's mygov.au. I can't quite remember right off the top of my head, Simon. But you can Google up My Quick Buddy, and that's a really great motivational tracker. And if you can't remember any of that, just again, call up the Quit Line 137848. Using Quit Line pretty much doubles your chances of success when you're trying to quit, and that's a great place to start for all your information. Dr. Sarah White, thank you for joining us today on the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast. Absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. It's a new dawn in health insurance because GMHBA are partnering with AIA Vitality to encourage us to be healthier by rewarding healthy choices. Join GMHBA V Plus with AIA Vitality to earn real rewards for health checks, exercising, even eating well. Changing how you think about health insurance for life. GMHBA and AIA Vitality. Healthier together.